Hello, I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, creator of the Incandescent Radio Network, here with my friend and colleague, Tony Farmer, host of the Black Lives Matter radio show. We are thrilled you are here with us today. So let's get started. Here we are. Hello, and welcome to the Black Lives Matter radio show on the Incandescent Radio Network. Facebook Live is our medium tonight. I am in a sunstorm here. <laughs> um, and we are about to uh, kick off the Super Bowl. Before you guys tune, on, tune into that, we want to introduce you to Camilla Avant. She is the diversity and inclusion expert at Color Magazine. So I'm going to kick it over to our host, Tony Farmer, to take it away. I'm so excited to hear about this, your magazine and everything that you're going to talk to us about diversity and inclusion. Thank you, Hope. Nice talking to you. You too. Camilla, thank you for joining us this evening. And hope thank you always for the introduction since the Super Bowl Sunday. And I promise, Camilla, that we would get through this interview so that she could join her sons and enjoy the Super Bowl festivities and the game. Uh, not sure if she has any predictions on who's going to win. We'll talk about that at the end of the, the podcast. But here's how I want to start. Boston is where you reside right now, if, if memory serves, correct? Um, color is based out of Boston. Boston. I, I live not far. Not far from Boston. Boston is synonymous, synonymous. One of the things that's synonymous with Boston is Harvard University. <laughs> Tell us about your connection to Harvard University. Um, I have been working with the Harvard University, the Harvard Medical School Office of um, Diversity and Inclusion and Partnerships, Community Partnerships, and they hold a event called uh, Reflection in Action. And their goal is to get urban um, students, predominantly African-Americans, students to uh, consider roles in STEM and healthcare. And the goal is to, you know, have them th think about public health, but also hopefully as they engage and make connections with um, some of the staff and the, those medical students to consider attending Harvard University's medical school and consider jobs and careers in life sciences and STEM. So tell us a little bit how you got involved in that. It seems like, you know, a lot of my network partners always say, hey, how would, you know, kind of get those warm relationships. And when someone does the ask, you say, you know, sure, you know, um, um, just having good people as champion and partners. And so Dr. Sheila Nutt, who, who leads that program there at Harvard Medical School, she's just dynamic. Uh, she's a, a very big community person. Um, and I've uh, developed a long relationship with her and that's how I got involved as um, um, being, being part of their, um, their board, so. One of the things that I think about when, you know, you and I talk or your name kind of crosses my mind, particularly as it relates to some of the initiatives you're involved in, is leadership. And so part of your background or the majority of your background, once people start reading your bio, just kind of, there's this beacon that flashes in my head, leadership, leadership. Talk to us about what it is to be a leader in some of the spaces where you had to work with and be around people that didn't necessarily look like you. Yeah, I don't think anyone, you know, starts out and say, hey, I'm going to be a leader. I think it's something that evolves. Um, and it's as you navigate your career journey, um, it's something else in your toolkit that you have to build these skills in order to, to excel and do your uh, be be your best. Initially, 
in my early days, I was a litigation paralegal and I did that for 12 years for a Fortune 500 company. And um, that was one of those careers where you either you do it or you do it for a while and you get burned out and time to move to somewhere else. So I was I was kind of on the ladder and decided, okay, it's time for me to reinvent myself and do something differently. So I kind of took a leap of faith and say, hey, I don't know anything about television, but there was a position open and I applied. And um, getting in that space, I think is really where I started to grow and, and kind of move out of my comfort zone, being challenged by my one of the only female leaders, few female leaders in the, in the, in the company and really finding where my strengths were and um, you know, um, navigating my path. And I think those lessons learned during that time of my early um, media career is kind of like, um, I would say what set the tone as to my leadership journey. So one of the things that I've noticed, uh, noted about you, uh, it's just kind of embedded in your personality, and and I love it about you is that you're a very humble person. Um, just so that people have a scope of what kind of leadership you were charged with at Lynn Media, tell us how many television stations and organizations that you were working with at any one time. Um, when I first started um, back in the early uh, 2000s, um, it was then Lynn Media, and I managed 70. I, I manage 41 television stations and you know the course of acquisitions and and, and mergers um, by the time um, I we were at the end before we were acquired and sold um, I managed 72 TV stations at that time uh, and they were all across the United States we had um, um, one in Hawaii which was kind of cool to talk to people on the, um, on the island um, Kahan um, and uh, I mean all different markets maybe not the major markets like Chicago or New York or, or LA, but we were in, you know, some good power markets down. And so build relationships with a lot of the general managers um, in Green Bay. So you develop conversations about the Green Bay Packers they were right across the street and they had those relationships. <laughs> yeah, stations down the South, so Birmingham and Mobile. So really um, building these relationships with not only the general managers at the stations, but also all the cable operators um, who carried those signals in those areas. So um, it was, again, you know, one of those things where I learned by doing, and I think it was good that I had a, a great leader who really said, you know, gave me a lot of confidence and said, hey, you can do this, you're smart. You have to learn anything else. But so I think having that strong support also helped makes you build that confidence that, you know, you have this, the the skill sets um, to be a good leader. But it, it takes, it takes, it takes work. I don't think, well, I guess there are some people that are natural leaders, but I think a lot of those nuances are something that, again, you you learn over time and um, it's a skill that you constantly have to build, just like going, you know, being a tradesperson, you know, the, the more you practice, the better you get. Um, so when we talk, when we've talked with some of the other leaders that we've had here on the Black Lives Matter radio show, uh, they mentioned some some similar things. One, in terms of their trajectory and their career, there's a lot of multi-facets to it. There's a lot of reinvention. If you were giving advice to somebody who was maybe a sophomore, junior in college, maybe a senior graduating and trying to figure out what they were doing, uh, what they wanted, they entered into this career world, uh, what, what would you tell them? Give us a couple of pearls of wisdom. 
Oh, a couple of pearls. I would say, um, and these conversations I have with college students as well, and some of the other um, associations that I work with, and, and I tell them, don't wait to the last minute to network. Um, you know, a lot, growing up in New England and in a, in a small state like Rhode Island, which is outside of um, um, Massachusetts, it's a lot of the who you know, right? And, and especially being in industries like television or industries, um, you know, there's a lot of industries where it's kind of like an insider's game. So building your network is really important. And I always say, don't wait until, okay, I'm a, I, have, I have two college sons. So, you know, I kind of have this mantra in the air all the time is, you know, the best thing they can do now is um, start networking and don't wait till I'm a senior, I'm going to graduate, I need to find a job and now I need to make some introductions. There's a lot of ways that college students can do it now. Um, finding a mentor journey joining um, mentorship programs, associations on campus, um, um, experiential learning opportunities. There's, there's so many ways that they can get involved in their community with different community groups. Um, um, so start your networking early is kind of like, I would see the as one of the first gems or pearls like I share with um, younger um, college students or young career professionals just um, starting their journey. Maybe the other one is, um, I call myself a, I am an introvert by nature, but I'm, um, uh, one of the things for me is always to never set, sell yourself short and always try to um, put yourself out there. I, and I think for introverts, um, um, it's not an easy thing to do, especially an introvert that's a leader. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's kind of like, okay, I put my hat on and, you know, and then as soon as I'm home, okay, you know, I'm the type of person, I don't want to answer the phone, you know, I don't want to give a rest from, from all those outside factors because it's, uh, for, for a lot of introverts, it's exhausting to kind of get to that, you know, put your game up to that level. Um, and there's a lot of, I've learned, especially being in this role and making a lot of new connections and partnerships that there are a lot of uh, women of color who are introverts, but you would never know it because when they're marketing their business, when they're um, you know leading and, and doing their thing, you know they're they're in the zone. You know they're like, hey, um, you, you kick it, you kick it in, and 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 you do it. But then you find out that like, oh wow, you're an introvert too. So you have some interesting conversations. <laughs> How did you do that? How did you manage it, right? Um, and so uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you about is giving your background, uh, and, and again, I. I struggle to say that because, again, you've got a background in so many things, and I certainly don't want to be anybody that pigeonholes you into a thing. But if I were to focus on your media experience, how has COVID, the Zoom world, the Google Meets, the, the Microsoft Teams, how has your, your background, your experience prepared you for the, the newness of how we have to communicate nowadays? I don't know if any, unless you're really into technology, I don't know if anybody was really being COVID and everything that happened, I think, and be, and be flexible and adapt um, and, and be open to like, okay, this is something new. Um, and, you know, learning something new, you're going to have um, your successes and you may have those, maybe some people consider failures or some people consider as lessons learned. Um, but I think you have to be open to like, okay, going to be the way that understanding that and, and putting a plan together to say, okay, now we can't do live events. We have to do virtual events. What is that going to look like? How is that going to change our business model? Um, how do we engage and build community and still um, outreach and feel like you're connected to people in this kind of virtual space? 
um, and, and, and navigate those challenges. So I don't think anybody anticipated, you know, unless maybe watching the Jetsons when we were little and saying like, oh, we are now in the Jets, you know, and I might be predating myself because some people on this may not know what the Jetsons are, but um, that cartoon where all of a sudden everything, you're a modern technology, you're talking to people and, 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 and it's different. And I think um, that's something we all have to be able to be aware of that this is a new normal. And I don't think things are gonna go back to 100% the way they used to be. So you have to learn how to flex and, and work in this kind of environment. I completely agree with you and I'll share with you. So I'm one of those people who, who does know what the Justins are. I watched that television show <laughs> religiously when I was younger. I'm a Star Trek fan. So the imagery of being able to talk into a computer or talk into a screen or have all these fancy gadgets, I've been lost on me. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing this week is in celebration of Black History Month, is highlighting a lot of those characters that are little known in the Star Trek universe. Oh. And since I bring up Black History Month, tell me from your lens, what's important to you about celebrating Black History Month? What, what do you think about uh, during uh, the celebration times and the important facts and important uh, information that we want to bring out during this month about the community, about uh, leaders, about innovators? What What is uh, for on the forefront of your mind during this time? Um, I've always been the type of person that I don't need February to be the education month. Black history is American history and it shouldn't be, you know, stuck in the shortest month of the whole year. And, and being a mom of young two African-American sons, I've always been, you know, one to educating them about your history and, and, and things that might have been left out during their, their, um, their education as they, they went through elementary through through high school. Um, but I think black history, because it's kind of the highlight, okay, February is Black History Month, it gives a, a larger a stage for others to kind of learn um, not only um, about Martin Luther King or those, you know, <laughs> typical names that you always hear. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it also off, uh, offers an opportunity to really see who are the upcoming leaders who are who are going to be affecting our country um, or our children um, or or on the main stage in the next the next generation, right? Um, so we really, with color and all a lot of the other organizations I'm involved in, we really work to kind of use that as a, a platform to highlight and spotlight not only those greats who are in arts and technology and healthcare and sciences and all these you know, names that might be familiar, but also those that are, are on, the, on the horizon, um, like the Amanda Gormans of the world, you know, um, those who are taking center stage in, in um, medical sciences and helping creating these COVID um, vaccines. Um, so there's, there's so many um, stars um, that, are, that need this time to um, be recognized. I think Black History Month is, is a perfect time to do that for them as well. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I feel the exact same way. I used to live, listen to the Tom Joyner Morning Show uh, religiously mm -hmm. uh, way back in the day. And one of the things that I really loved about his show is that he would do Black History 365. And he partnered yes. with McDonald's Corporation. And they were really good at highlighting all of the th contributions that those of us in the African-American community have made to America 
uh, history in American society. And one of the things you mentioned that I really want to highlight before we talk about Color Magazine, because we need to talk about Color Magazine, is how important education is to you. Uh, one of the things that kind of binds us together, you and I, is that uh, we are alum of the University of Maryland Global Campus. So I'm very proud to be able to say that you are. <laughs> yeah, right. Very proud to be able to say that you are and you and I are connected in that way. And I noted that in some of the career things you've done, your degrees don't necessarily <laughs> map to your career, which is the same with, with me. But little known history fact about Camilla, you are an adjunct instructor at one of the local colleges. Tell us about that. Another hat. Um, <laughs> it's actually an all girls university um, in Longmeadow, Massachusetts, which is right outside Springfield, Mass. Um, and I'm an adjunct professor in there. Uh, more, I would say, and they call it a wellness program, but it's more for leadership development. And one of the path university, it's not just the traditional students, they actually work with non-traditional students. So adult learners who may be um, there might be, you know, in their late 30s or 40s and all of a sudden decided they wanted to get a degree or they might have um, started at one point and then had children, went out into the workforce, then all of a sudden said, oh, I need to go back. Or and all of a sudden it, with COVID is a great example. People are finding themselves out of the, what their normal employment um, industry is and they have to find ways to reinvent themselves. So they always say, well, I always want to you know, and I was in retail for 25 years, and this is my opportunity um, to, to, you know, get a, get a degree. Um, being involved in Bay Path is, you know, my connection there is through another one of my network partners who, when I was shifting through different careers and kind of in a lull, um, once our television station was sold, she's like, hey, what, what about being a professor? I said, I don't know how to teach. You have how many degrees? You can teach. Someone makes you ask, and, and again, with the, the introvert, and sometimes you get that. We all have those voices in our head and say, like, I don't know if I'm qualified that. And she said, of course you can do it. All you have to do is learn, learn the platform, and, you know, you can teach. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's something that I do, and it's just been a, a very rewarding experience um, working with those. One of the things that, um, that I know you have been, uh, I've met your nephew, and mm -hmm. I know you to be a, a mentor and somebody who has a, a, a deep care and, and love to see people succeed, particularly young men, uh, young African-American men. And it's wonderful to hear how you have lended your expertise and your knowledge to the females, the young ladies of, of our society as well. Uh, and so I've kind of held off enough. I'm so excited to be able to, to kind of sit back and have you talk to us about Color Magazine. Tell us all about Color Magazine. Tell us how you got involved and tell us what Color Magazine does, their mission and and how you push that forward on a day-to-day -day basis. Sure, um, I've been with Color since uh, June of 2019. Um, and I was familiar with Color while I was in television again, um, being a, a person who I call myself a skilled networker. I developed a relationship with the um, entrepreneur and founder of Color Magazine a few years prior to uh, being introduced in the, in the role and Josefina Vanilla. Um, she's Latina, um, well-known in Boston. Uh, she's a serial entrepreneur. Uh, she's, 
I think she's right now, she's on her sixth uh, business. Uh, and so I went to some of the events, the Women of Color Conference in Boston, um, and just stayed really connected with her because I really love the, the mission of color, which is to um, highlight leaders of color and also empower diverse communities. Um, and it's an online and event-based business that's um, owned by our parent company, Bridgetower Media. Um, so Josefina at some point decided, you know, she was ready to start another business. And she reached out and said, hey, you know, you want to come up to Boston and meet me for coffee? Coffee, and I'm like, okay, but you know what? What you're just like, well, I'm thinking about transitioning out of color, and um, I have a couple of people I, I wanted to talk to, and you're one of them. And she said, you know, being an, a Latina and 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 creating Color Magazine and leading it um, over a decade, she said it was time for it to. She thought she brought as much as she could, and she thought it was time for it to um, have a new leader, and she wanted it to be a person of color um, and hopefully let that be um, an African-American woman. So, and again, you know, sometimes you get that little voice like, I don't know anything about publishing, you know, I'm in television, you know, and so, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> so never caught me and, you know, had these conversations with her and then, you know, ended up going through the, um, the interview and onboarding process with uh, our, our parent company. Um, Color Magazine is the only diversity and inclusion publication under Bridge Tower. So um, we have a niche market of really um, getting out there into the community, but most important, um, highlighting those leaders who may not have a stage similar to um, you know, what we talked about with COVID and, and these, or I'm, I'm sorry, Black History Month and these gems that, you know, they're they're in their zone, they're in their silos doing their work. And um, color is an opportunity to not only highlight them, but also um, connect with partners that support the diversity inclusion mission. Um, so we do a lot around um, women of color conferences, men of color conferences. We have a career summit that's coming up shortly. Uh, we do chief diversity officer uh, summits as well, along with, with COVID. Um, it gives us an opportunity to really touch on those issues that are really impacting our communities right now. Um, so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about color. I, I know the impact that these conferences have had. I've actually been, uh, been able to participate in the Men of Color Conference, and I was such so honored and humbled to be invited to be a part of that. Oh, and glad you were. Uh, it was, you, you had some heavy hitters on that during that conference. Uh, I'm sure due to a lot of your connections and and I will I'm, I'm not afraid to share with you and I'm also proud to share with you that those connections have created connections because there have been people who followed up with me and I follow up with them and you know we're looking at how to connect in, in other veins and venues so let me ask you this question here's the only curveball question I have for you I promised you that <laughs> I promised you that I wasn't going to throw you a lot right uh -huh. um but but Here's the question for you, right? What's next? You've been a paralegal, you've been in media, you've, <laughs> you're running a magazine and events, you're an adjunct professor. What does Camilla sit down in her quiet time and, and look forward to? What's, what's next on the menu? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think, um, I think the universe always gives back to me what, what needs to be, um, my next step or, or, you know, the next thing for me to do. Um, I recently just joined the board of uh, the Rhode Island Public 
um, public broadcasting station, PBS. Um, so that gives me a flavor of getting back into that television space and, you know, um, not only growing up on the Jetsons, but Sesame Street with Big Bird and, yeah. you know, it's another company. Yeah, and it's another way to, you know, community television, I think, has been a, um, a big platform traditionally in earlier generations, but I think it might be another opportunity to really um, get community television um, more in the in the DNI space. Um, but I, I don't know what this, you know, I, I, I'm an empty nester. I have two college kids. So, you know, people say, go, oh, how do you have time to do all these things? You know, you're in the links, you're, you know, president of NAMIC, you're, you leave color, you do all these things. I'm like, well, my children are grown. So I have a lot of time, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I don't know what, what, what's gonna, what's gonna be I, next. I'm so, You'll I'm be so, one of the next to know. I'll, I'll let you know, Tony. Please, uh, because I'd like to be a part of that. One of the things that I'd love to do and the, you know, one of the ways this show got started is shortly after George Floyd got killed, mm -hmm. Hope contacted me because she, you know, I call Hope an enduring ally. And Hope called me and said, Tony, what in the world? What the first thing she said was, you know, how are you? Which I so appreciated. She and I have been friends. In fact, here's a here's a little known uh, fact about Hope and I. Hope and I met the day I decided to go to see the Black Panther. <laughs> so I uh, talk about coincidence and, and, and just how the universe kind of connects people. But uh, she called me and she said, hey, you know, uh, I want to do something. Uh, I, I, I don't know what that is, uh, you know, and a lot of the energy be behind the Black Lives Matter radio show came from the conversations that she and I had. And so ever since that, about a, about a year ago now, uh, I have found ways to educate, not only hope, but to use this platform to educate people that may not look like me or look like you, or maybe be in our, in our uh, ethos on, on a regular basis. Uh, and, and keeping with that, there was something you mentioned that I just wanna give pause to because it's really important to me to make sure we make these connections. You said uh, NAMIC, which is the National Association of Multi-Ethnicity and Communication. Uh, you also mentioned links. Talk about links. What is links? What do people who don't understand or don't really uh, reside in our community, what is links and, and how does links connect to community activism? Uh, the Links Incorporated is a historical, um, long-running um, female African-American, uh, I would say nonprofit civic orphan organization that's been around for a very long time. Um, it's a sisterhood that's national. We have over 16,000 members. And um, one of my sisters is actually Kamala Harris. So, you know, we all wore our green Aww. and our pearls and cheered her on and, you know, had our wine when she was inaugurated. So um, we do a lot of our main focus is working in the communities. We have different facets that we focus on, health, um, um, service to youth, international, all these issues that affect our community. And one of the biggest um, thing, and actually um, uh, our lead sister, Stacey Abrams was, was big on the voting drive. So voting was a big she factor was. for us in 2020 um, around these critical, critical uh, races. So it's, uh, our sisters range from politics, they're, they're physicians, they're community leaders, they're in all areas of um, all different industries and 
you know, it, it's it's a historical sisterhood similar to a lot of the um, historical um, sororities. And uh, it's, it, I'm just proud to be um, in the New England, the Greater Providence, Rhode Island chapter, the Jewel of New England we're known as, and and we're small, but we're mighty in, in Rhode Island. So uh, um, for those who don't know, uh, that's a little bit about the links. Thank you so much. Tradition is with our radio program. Thank you for everybody who's listening to us. And thank you all who are on Facebook Live for making this your pre-Super Bowl show to watch. Uh, the tradition on our show is the last question is, or questions, go to Hope. So Hope, over to you. Thank you so much, Tony. And thank you, Camilla. This is just amazing to have you on here. Your career is fantastic. The one question that I have, Tony did such a beautiful job of what you're doing and how you, what you see your future as. My question is, what, what's, what did you dream to be when you were a little girl? Oh, I think, um, I, I, you know, that's a good question. I think I dreamed to be a teacher. Um, and I think that came from, and it goes back to Tony, when he talked about the importance of education. Neither one of my parents graduated from high school. Um, my, father didn't my father never went to high school at all. My mother never finished. So for them, getting a college diploma was a big deal. Um, and, you know, I'm the only one in my family to go to college. Um, and uh, so I think for me, I remember sitting when I was a little kid having these little dolls and playing school. And I had a, it, so being a teacher was a big deal. Um, you know, education, always having that thing in my mind of, you know, um, connecting and educating. And, and I didn't happen to go that route, but I, I hope that in some way when I network and, and, and work with other um, young um, female entrepreneurs or, or mentors that I'm you know, passing along some of the things that I've learned in my life lessons and, and teaching them um, some little tips to make their journey a little bit easier. Well, that's so important and so amazing. I love that story because it's so interesting to know, I know what you thought of when you were a kid and how far you've come. So congratulations to you. And thank you so much for being with us uh, for pre-Super Bowl. We know you have two teenagers or college-age kids to go uh, tend to feed and watch the game with and that a storm <laughs> is coming in Rhode Island. So we don't want to hold you for too much longer. Tony, I'm going to leave the uh, last word to you. So, so here's my last word, Camilla. Uh, I am so honored to know you, so proud of all of the things that you're doing. I am excited about the next chapters that you are continuously pinning in your life. And I want you now to go and get the, the, the joy of uh, sitting with your sons and watching football. Um, I was sharing with you before we started, I have two teenage daughters. And when they get hungry, I always tell them to go get something to eat. Go get in the car and go. Uh, but since you have a snowstorm there, <laughs> or, or at least one brewing, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, you guys stay safe and sound, enjoy the game. And I'm prayerful that you and I will talk again soon, uh, soon meaning very soon. I am uh, uh, just overjoyed at all of your success and all the things you're doing in the community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, more to come. Uh, thank you for being on our show. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Black Lives Matter radio show on Incandescent. Yep. Thank you both. Thank you. Best luck to you. Uh, enjoy the show. We'll talk thank to you, you soon. 
So that's all for today's episode of the Black Lives Matter radio show on incandescentradio.com. We have an amazing lineup of future guests, just like you heard on today's show. So be sure to tune in for another episode and tell your friends about us so they can listen too. If you or someone you know should be a guest on our show, send me an email, hopecatsgibbs at gmail.com, and we'll be in touch. Again, this is blacklivesmatterradioshow.com on the Incandescent Radio Network. We look forward to talking to you. Until then, stay safe and be well.